Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, aimlessness, any of the issues that plague us, one of the most important questions to ask yourself is something that would surprise many of us. You know what that question is? What are you passionate about? Identify your passions and you'll be able to address the root of many of the issues that we struggle with. I meet people all the time and people share their different struggles, their different challenges, setbacks, failures, disappointments. And always asking that question, besides being disarming, forces you to go back to where you are investing your energy into. So please join me in this important discussion on what are you passionate about? Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we're going to be speaking about what are you passionate about? This program is dedicated in loving memory of Avram ben Afrayim. All of us deal with many struggles, many issues, setbacks, failures, disappointments, broken promises, anxiety, fears, insecurities. And unless we're in denial, we try to get some help, whether it's in therapy, whether it's through medication, whether it's through other forms of behavior. Very often, we don't really resolve the issues. At best, a Band-Aid, cosmetic, short-term solutions. Like a painkiller. One of the most important questions, however, to ask yourself is something that you wouldn't expect, a surprising approach, is to ask yourself, what are you passionate about? Now, you may wonder, what does passion have to do with my problems? Remember, a human being, by definition, needs to be passionate. And if we don't get that passion resolved or released in a healthy way, it's going to express itself in all kinds of unhealthy ways. It could be passion toward unhealthy, destructive behavior, or it can be the emptiness, the aimlessness, the depression, the anxiety that many of us suffer from. Now, I'm not talking about clinical, even though it includes clinical, but it's critical to address the things that you are passionate about. I remember I gave a talk, a Zoom talk, right in the middle of the pandemic, covid this was approximately right at the end of the school season where all the schools were closed down and everything was by Zoom. So I was asked to speak to a group of, it was over 1,500 students, public school students across the country, teenagers, via Zoom. And I opened up the session with a question. I said, because of course everybody was dealing with the uncertainty, the unknown, the, the, the claustrophobic being quarantined, the lack of social distancing, the lack of interaction. And it was really messing with us. Some people really suffered greatly. Some people rose to the occasion. 
So I asked the students to chat in the Zoom, and someone monitored and gave me the answers. I said, tell me the three priorities in your life today. This was approximately May or June 2020. And interestingly, most of the answers were about internal things, love, relationships, family, values. And I said, if I would have asked you that question in January 2020, what would you have answered? Remember, January 2020 was before COVID broke, even though it was officially in 2019, COVID-19, but till it became something that we began to consider as serious was around March 2020. In January 2020, what are the three most important things? Sexuality, video games, sports, travel. That was the consensus. Obviously, there were the outliers and the different uh, answers, but that was a, a large bulk of the responses. Do you see the difference? Because the crisis stripped us from our security blankets, jolted us out of our comfort zones, and suddenly we had to focus on things that really matter. When we're comfortable and things were going regular, we focus on the immediate, often superficial things. What does that tell you? That tells you that passion and our commitments and our activities, the things we consider to be priorities, are all dependent on your state of mind and where you're at. The fact of the matter is, as blessed as we may be in our society today, our high standard of living, our comfort zones, the ease to access anything, anywhere, get a delivery by pressing a button within a half hour, an hour, also has a downside. The downside is that our passions tend to lend itself to things that are quite frivolous. When we're struggling for our lives, when I say struggling, I mean whether it's a crisis, whether it's a war, whether it's other battles or challenges, then we have to be focused and crystallize what do we stand for. It's a blessing that the young people in this country, including myself, have never had to fight a war for our values. We've been blessed. The last time there was such a war was World War II. That's long before most of us were born. And even then, it was not that simple till, people, till America entered the war. But we don't have the need, which is a blessing, but also tells you how much free time we have. And as a result, we don't have to fight for anything. If someone were to ask you, what are you ready to die for? And I don't mean physically die. What are you ready to fight for till the bitter end? There are very few things that we're ready to do until we are, it's, it's, it's taken from us, until we, feel de- until we feel deprived, which is a bizarre paradox, but it is a paradox. And I want to bring it back to our discussion here about passion. It is vital to have healthy passions. Let me share one, just one case study. An individual, a young adult, early 20s, she came to me struggling with many issues, growing up in a very traumatic home, abuse, other issues. I was beginning to make it in school, 
very smart and accomplished, but still internally many, many skeletons, many demons haunted her. She said, as much as I study and my marks are good and I can probably get a good degree and get a good job, I just feel a very big emptiness. And as much as she tried, she could not build a relationship, rebuild a relationship with her mother, with her father. They were unhealthy each in their own way. They were at this point divorced. What about your siblings, I said. Eh, similar, each one of us struggles in their own way. And as we were talking, and I was asking, I said to her, so what do you like to study? So she was very scientific, but also business-minded. So she was taking different majoring and minoring in different subjects, but still that emptiness. So I said, what we need to discover is something you're really passionate about. Let's forget about a career, money, and, and your studies. Even though she was passionate about her studies, but it wasn't that sole passion that you need. So I said, what are you passionate about? And she thought about it. She said, I have to think about it. No one ever asked me that question. I was never even given the license, the freedom to ask that question. I was always told what I should like. I was always told what I should be doing with my life. So that alone, the, the mere fact that she had now the, the, the confidence to ask that question was I saw already freeing. After once or twice speaking together, she came back to me and said, you know what I really like? Music. I said, did you ever play an instrument? No. How about trying to learn one? Great idea. She began to take guitar lessons. Within a few months, her life changed completely. Because this was not something that came that someone told her, you have to do this. It wasn't in order to have a career. It was for no other reason but to express and release the very passion of her soul. And that's what I want to address. Your soul is like fire. In the words of the verse, the soul of a human being is the flame of the divine. A flame, a fire. A fire is passionate. It's burning. Now, if your very nature is a burning fire, and it doesn't burn with passion in anything that is healthy, what kind of life are you going to really live? It means that you're not really realizing. Of course it's going to affect every part of your being. Because it's your very essence. Forget about your identity and what you're passionate about. But the very fire that you are is not allowed to burn. Imagine a fire being contained in a little box. It'll, ex it'll extinguish. In the case of the soul, it doesn't extinguish, it implodes. And what do you think happens? It explodes in all kinds of different ways. It can be in rage, it could be in silence, it could be in pain, it could be in anxiety. In thousands of different voices that your soul crying out and say, I don't want to be a bottled up fire. And the worst case scenario, the fire will go in the wrong places. A foreign flame, a foreign fire, an alien fire. It can go into different forms of addictions, whether they're physical, substance addiction, alcohol, drugs, or behavioral addictions, psychological ones. But the fire is going to burn somewhere. And if it doesn't, it can be even worse because that means there's no expression at all and then it has to have impact and usually what we'll call negative energy. Instead of burning outward, even toward destructive, uh, destructive ends, it starts burning inward and causes that emptiness, but a deep emptiness to the point that it really can make you miserable with anxiety, with fear, with insecurity, and so on. 
So yes, there's ways of dealing with the symptoms of anxiety and fears and insecurities. But there's a way of going back to the root. Your fire has been burning since you were born, since you were conceived for that matter. But it's like a pile of flame, and it needs expression. In this case, the guitar, the instrument, the music. And she told me, I would go into a zone. I just love playing. And she hasn't become a great guitarist, but it's her passion. Ask yourself, what is your passion? Sometimes you have to go back to your childhood, to early years, and remember something you really enjoy doing. And very often that was knocked out of us. Our creativity, our imagination, our mischievous and adventurous side. We were told, no, no, that's for children. Grow out of it. When in truth, it was your fire burning. Yes, for a child, it expresses itself a certain way. Obviously, an adult shouldn't be sitting and playing with toys like an ad- a child does. But we should still be playful. We just have to find other ways of expressing it. I remember reading once an advertising agency in the West Coast, very powerful, very popular. And they had an interesting exercise. When they came, as a new client came to them, to create an advertising campaign, they would have their, the reps get together, but not just get together, they rent out an amusement park, a children's little park. Somewhere, they would go there for a day or two, play in the sandbox, play on seesaws, play on swings and on slides, and, uh, you know, go back into the child mode. I'm talking about the advertising agents here to get into a place that was out of their regular comfort zone, out of their regular sitting at an office, looking out a window, out of the executive structure, to get them to think like children think, to get their creative juices going. I thought it was a fascinating uh, approach. And they would come up with these crazy ideas that they would never have come up had they stayed in their regular straitjacket structured environments. And the same is for all of us. Maybe go out, go out to the beach, go to a park, go back and evoke and remember a childhood experience, the best, warmest childhood memory you have. Even if your childhood may have not been so great, but we all have memories of certain memories. Allow yourself to imagine, to dream the enchantment of the soul, which so often becomes limited, constrained by adult rules and laws and establishment and and institutions. And you'll be surprised what will emerge. Now, some of us may be afraid to go there because we've already developed another persona. What are you telling me to do that for? It may bring back all kinds of negative memories. But we're looking for the fire, the passion. You have to ask yourself, what are you passionate about? And the question is meant to be, have the answer. Then you began looking and seeking. And it may be in places you never would have imagined. It may be places you are imagined. Some people love to read. Some people love to travel. But the thing, the most important thing is that you love to do it because it's you. Not because someone told you it's you. Not because someone told you it's important. And sometimes it's not easy to distinguish. Because those imposed values can suddenly become, can over time become second nature to the point that we can't distinguish between what is really me and what was told 
me to be me. That's why you have to experiment. Now, the most natural place where people are passionate is when it comes to romance, to courtship, to sexuality, to intimacy. That's because the very nature of it feeds into the very essence, essence of our soul. That is why, as I've discussed in a number of classes, sexuality, or what I like to call intimacy, is the fire of the soul in its most unadulterated and uninhibited fashion at work. But even that has become somewhat defined by mechanics, by technicalities, as opposed by a completely unbridled loving energy that's connected to commitment and devotion, not just to pleasure. Because passion is important, but it's not just about instant gratification. It's not just about a one-night stand of pleasure. It's about a passion that's actually allowing your soul to be itself. And not just for a moment, and not just for a few moments. To spill over and transform your entire life. So that's an important place to look at as a person's sexuality and their intimacy and their passions related to that. There's no question that is a channel that many of us use as an outlet. But ask yourself, is it, unhealthy? Is it being expressed in a healthy fashion? So there's no doubt that that is definitely a healthy passion outlet, but are you experiencing it in a healthy way? And that too is something that needs to be looked at. So passion plus productive passion, not just an escape, not just an outlet, not just relief for the moment, because then it could also become another form of an addiction. We're talking about a relationship, a fire that is there that spills over into your life, And that's one of the easiest ways to tell. I have a chapter in my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, called Intimacy. And it discusses that. Well, how do you know the difference between healthy intimacy and unhealthy sexuality? One of the ways, does it make you more productive in the rest of your day? Or is it compartmentalized? And that's a general sign. If the passion is compartmentalized and doesn't affect the rest of you, then it usually is an escape. Not always it is a bad escape, but it's an escape that's not really integrated with the rest of your life. So never underestimate the fire of your soul. It's one of the strongest forces that each of us have, and it's one of the places we do not look. Now, one of the reasons we don't look there is because our passions sometimes have been already misplaced or misdirected or being expressed in other ways. So we think, hey, I'm a very passionate person. I love to go to a restaurant. I love to go with friends. I love to be with different partners, etc. That's why it's important to go back to the passion of your very soul. Not just the passion that you have decided right now. There are people passionate playing video games. There are people passionate watching a soap opera, going to a movie. So what's the difference between that passion and what I'm calling the, fi- the soul's passion? Those are passions that are, that are escapes. Those are passions that are short-term. They are there and they could relieve us, but they are like a drug in one way or another. I don't want to use the word drug because that may turn somebody off. Not everything is a physical drug. A drug means it's a form of getting away from yourself. Whereas the passions I'm talking about is makes you even more of who you truly are. And they're always transcendent in nature. So some people love to listen to music. It's a, it's, a, it's a natural thing. It makes us feel 
It resonates. It makes us feel like we belong. That's beautiful. But when I say passion, I also mean something proactive. Not just listening to someone else play music. Not just taking it in, which is a beautiful thing, or reading great, a beautiful, reading wonderful books. But it's also about what are you doing, which brings me to the next point. Proactive passion. Something that you can go out and say, I'm going to now do. Because the next step after she was taking guitar, I said, why don't you then maybe join a group? Not that she necessarily was excellent, but maybe even amateurs come together, create something. Because that's the second half of the passion that you want to fire to build something in this world. So once you discover the passion, you want to direct it toward building, constructive. I happen to be passionate about helping people discover their, their, their inner selves, their soul. Now that could have been a passion that would have remained dormant or would have remained in some way active but not very dominant in my life, but it became my mission in life, just to use myself as an example. So the passion should be turned into an, should be brought into, into, into what's the word I'm looking for, concretized into something, execution, implementation. Do something with it. And that's when it becomes a reality in your life. Because most of our activities are either our work or our leisure or our family. But if you can access the fire of your soul and turn that into an actionable plan, if you can turn it into a career, that's the best of all worlds. But even if it's a volunteer thing or it's something you do part-time and you take that passion and turn it into a movement, into activity, then the fire becomes something solid in your life and in the life of others. I'll give another case study. An individual who's also struggling. This person was struggling with many addictions, could not find a healthy relationship, came from wealth, so there was no problem with money, did not struggle financially, but internally was a mess. I suggested to this person to volunteer Well, let me just back up, back up. He told me, one of, my, one of my talks, he said to me, I live in a gilded cage. I can do whatever I want. I have all the money in the world. But it's a cage. It's a golden cage. I don't feel I'm ever going to spread my wings. So I suggested to him to volunteer and, and help go to one of the homes of special children and volunteer once a week, take a walk with a Down syndrome child or have a conversation with a... Uh, a child that has other handicap or disability. <clears throat> Initially, he refused. He said, I'll hire someone to do that. I said, no, the whole point is you. And the more he resisted, the more I realized how important it is. I said, you have to get out of your comfort zone and do something like this. How do you know? Maybe you'll benefit from it. Anyway, to his credit, he did try. A few months later, he's telling me he's doing it three times a week. He loves it. He says, I take a walk. These Down syndrome children, some of the others, so much love that they give. They don't know who I am. They give me much more than I give them. That's my feeling. Anyway, a while passed, and he decided he found this passion. He's going to build a home like that because he found some of the things, some of the institutions are lacking. He feels he has a new model. Here's a man who's turned his life into a passion. All of us have within us that type of virtue, that type of benevolence, kindness. But we don't always have place to express it. We see it as, okay, it's my charitable thing, I need to volunteer, I need to help. 
but it's like an extracurricular activity. No, make it, a, make it a commitment that every day, for every email you send, send three emails with a, some kind message. It doesn't even have to be your own. You can find something, share it with others. Make that your passion. When I say make that your passion, I really mean make that, discover, is that your passion? And you may be surprised. Bring a smile to another person's face. Bringing hope to someone who felt hopeless can become a great passion of your soul. And for all you know, it's exactly what your soul needs. And then make it into a, an action. You're not just think about it, you act on it. And in a little while, you may have thousands of people. It doesn't matter the number here. But you may be sending out messages like this and bringing a smile to someone's face. That's another example of, taking, of, of discovering a passion and actualizing it. We need to find these things in our lives because we are today un- inundated by everyone demanding and expecting things of us. Just the amount of advertisements that come your way, the amount of messages, text, email, social media. They're inundated. They're demanding things of us, and they're not allowing us to be proactive. I'm suggesting, let the, let, instead of taking all that in, you know what? I'm not looking at that. I want to find out my soul's passion, and then I want to go from the inside out, not respond to someone, but... I want to be proactive, not to react, but to be proactive. To initiate, you will see it will change your life. So to sum up, we have to find that fire and the passion that your soul, that is the essence and inherent essence of your soul. We have to act on it and we have to be proactive. That's the key. If you can master that art, you will see how your life will change. You don't even know how much you're reacting to other people's requests and demands. Even if you're not reacting, but you are being, the word respond is also not the right word, but you're basically on the receiving end. It's coming your way. You may be deflecting it. You may be ignoring it, but it's still playing defense. Whereas when you go on the offense, that changes the whole picture. But it's not just going on the offense. It's finding the passion of your heart and soul, of your fire, and acting on it, and turning it into something that has perpetual impact. This is the formula, the healthy formula, that will preempt so many of the problems that we have today. And I know it's counterintuitive, because usually we look at a problem, let's say put out the fire. But that's putting out fires. We're talking about preventing fires. Or bringing in a new reality, a new mindset, a new heart set, a new soul set, that transcends and overrides the fires instead of just dealing with each fire, with each wound, with each injury, with each pain on a temporary basis. That's, my friends, the way to go. There are three types of people, they say. People who make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who ask what happened. Become a person who makes things happen. And you have it in you. Your soul has that fire, has the passion. You just have to identify it Discover it and act on it and turn it into something big. This is Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can find this program and many other programs like it on many different topics. We have a robust schedule of events and programs. Check it out, MeaningfulLife.com. We'd love to hear from you, your comments, your thoughts, your suggestions. And please share this if you see fit. 
Please share it with friends, with others. Pay it forward. Thank you again. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.